with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. Coming to you once again from Arlington, Texas, today with episode 456 of the Survival Podcast. It is a Wednesday. It is June 16, 2010. And today we're going to talk about something that, at first, I think you might go, this is not a survivalist topic. Um, to me it is, I'll explain why later, but what we're going to talk about today is the ability and how to build a business and passive income stream of your own today. Or, if you're not the entrepreneurial type, if that's just not in your DNA, the ability to brand yourself so that if you want to actually work a job, if that is what you actually like, you have the ability to pick and choose and never be out of work. Now, some people are going, well, duh, that's a survival topic. A few others are going, that really sounds more like how to build a business, and that doesn't sound like a survival topic to me. Give me a chance today. Hold on. Let me take care of the housekeeping, and I'll come back to you and tell you why it is a survival topic, and I'll tell you why there's no reason in the world today to not be doing what you love. Believe it or not, that's the truth. And I'll tell you how uh, you can be more profitable and prosperous in your life doing what you love than doing what you hate. All right, before that, though, we do have to knock out the housekeeping. Housekeeping item number one, let's take care of our sponsors. They do a lot to help take care of you. Sponsor of the day number one, Common Sense Prep. Great place to find a huge assortment of the most common sense items you need for your prepping and uh, your lifestyle needs. Uh, check out Common Sense Prep for really cool products like the H2O Hog, which is a very innovative water harvesting tool. Uh, also remember, if you're a member of the Member Support Brigade, you get a uh, 15% off of all their Paladin Press books. And there's a library of books there that are just some of the most amazing things uh, that I've ever seen come out of that uh, kind of that survivalist prepper homesteading niche. Some of those books are just awesome. So um, I've been adding them slowly to uh, my library as well. 15% off for all MSB members from Common Sense Prep. Next up today, Western Botanicals, your source of everything you can need in the world of herbal uh, herbal supplements, uh, herbal preparations, and whole herbs. Uh, their catalog of whole herbs alone is just unbelievable. I don't think there's anything that's that you can grow in the ground that's uh, helpful to human beings uh, and is legal for sale in the United States uh, that cannot be purchased as a whole herb at Western Botanicals. Also, another supporter of the Members Brigade. If you are in, their, in the Members Brigade, you get into your uh, benefits area and make a phone call to Common Sense or uh, to uh, Western Botanicals and give them a code word that's back in that uh, benefits area, they will set you up with their premium membership for free. Normally, that would cost you $50. So that alone pays for your MSB. And guess what? That means you get 25% every, of everything you ever buy from them. 
that's pretty awesome. So make sure you take advantage of that. And if you're not MSB, make sure you check out their website because they really have uh, a great assortment of just about anything you could want from an herbal prep need. Uh, next up today, I want to remind you about our gear sh shop. And I do have the promised announcement on when the uh, French Press uh, mugs, branded with the Survival Podcast, will be shipping for all of you that placed pre-orders. They should be to you guys by the end of the month. We should not be into July before they're shipping out from us. We should be getting them in in about a week to a week and a half uh, from our supplier. It won't take as long for new runs in the future. This was a first run, so it took longer. Uh, that said, uh, they're a great product, and if you haven't ordered one yet, you may want to go by our gear shop today and order one. Really, really cool. Uh, lots of other cool stuff in the gear shop, so check that out. Last but not least, do consider joining the Member Support Brigade. I just gave you an example of why you should, so I'll cut it short today. I'll just say this. If you think this show's worth 20 cents an episode, if when I get done today you say to yourself, damn, that was worth two dimes, consider becoming a member if you're not already a member of the Support Brigade. You'll help support the show, and uh, you'll get a huge return of investment if you actually use the benefits that are in there. I would say at least a 10 to 1 per year uh, return of investment. All right. With that, let's go ahead and, and let's get into the main topic today, which is building your personal brand, building your personal income. Uh, be that having a business of your own or simply using the tools that are available today to brand yourself as an individual so that you're marketable to employers. So that if you lose a job, you're not sitting around sending out resumes. And I'll tell you what I think about resumes in just a minute. Um, but that's not the place to be today. The place to be today for anybody with any desire to really have what they want in their life, even if you want to be an employee, is to be sitting in the catbird seat that if you become available, uh, there are people literally breaking their necks to even if they don't have a position to try to figure out how they can be, uh, how they can work you into their company. And that is possible. More importantly, though, um, whether it be building a business of your own or, or, or you know, acting like an employee, if that's, again, what you want, because I'm not going to tell you that you need to be an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur is, is, is a different kind of person. It's something in your DNA that makes you almost unemployable. You're just a terrible employee, basically, if you're a good entrepreneur. So it's up to you where you go with that. But why is this a survival topic today? Well, it's a survival topic because remember, the entire philosophy of our show is living that better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Our entire philosophy is built around taking actions today that will make you better off even if no systematic, systemic failure ever comes your way. Our entire philosophy is based around building strength in your life so that when disaster strikes, it's not a freaking disaster in the first place. Let me explain. If you are deeply in credit card debt, if you have a house you can barely afford, if you have two car payments, if you have your kids in every activity known to man and they all cost money, and if every penny that you and your spouse make is spent the second the income comes home, if only the only savings that exist are in a 401k and very expensive to access if you ever need them in emergency, if you have less than 30 days of your income in a bank account and one of you loses your job, it is a flipping disaster. If you have low debt, 
if you have you know meaningful activities in your life, but they don't extract everything out of the family budget. If you've bought a home you can afford, if you have 90 to 120 days of cash uh, sitting in a bank account that's equivalent to the income for both of you, and one of you loses your job, and you have a full pantry full of food on top of all that, you know what it means? Absolutely flipping nothing. It means that one of you gets a few days off before you figure out what you want to do with the rest of your life. In one scenario, it's a flipping disaster, and in the other scenario, it's not even a speed bump. And there are so many problems in life that I hate to be materialistic at all, but money makes them go away. Plain and simple. If your car breaks down and you can't get to work and you're broke, you're whipping out a credit card if you're lucky enough to have one. Or you're in a catastrophe. If you can write a check for $800 worth of repairs, if that happens to be what it is, and just pay it, and it doesn't really affect the price of tea in China or your life, the problem goes away. Whether or not we want to admit it, and you know I'm all about not filling your life up with crap and stuff and things and bullshit you don't need, you know, just for the sake of having stuff. But when it comes down to it, money matters. The number one cause of divorce in our country today, it's not infidelity. Nope. It's not. It's not the guy being a workaholic or the woman being addicted to her job. Nope. It's not the fact that two people got together that should have never been together because that doesn't really go all the way to marriage unless you do it in Vegas when you're drunk in many situations. It's stress in life caused by financial issues. And most of the time, even the other things, whether somebody gets a drug habit, somebody goes out and has an affair, all of those things, usually if you look at any family where they've gone wrong, you can link it back to finances. Not every time. Some people just turn into douchebags and screw over their partner. We know that that happens. We're talking about playing the percentages, playing the odds. And in most instances, money destroys families. So if we're going to survive, I've said this before, we need to survive not just as people, not just that we wake up tomorrow and follow the first rule of survival, which is continue to breathe the next day, but we also need to survive as a family. We don't survive as a family. What are we fighting for? What are we surviving for? If we're going to be proud to be patriots, proud to be Americans, or if you're in another part of the world, proud to be whatever nation you're from, and you don't keep your family together, how are you going to keep your nation together? And it does come back to income. And the biggest pain this nation has faced in the past few years, all of the misery, all of the pain, all of the anger, do you know what it all came from? Lack of money. It came from people seeing their retirement accounts cut in half close to retirement when they should have never been at risk at that point in their life. It came from people who worked jobs for 10, 15, 20 years, even though the resume is dead, and I'll get to that in a second, don't even know how to write a resume anymore. So loyal to their company, never thought about going anywhere else. Here's two weeks of severance and get the hell out of here. That's what they got. Houses depreciated in value. People that can't afford to stay in them and can't afford to sell them walking away. It all comes back to improper financial management and not enough in and too much out. We've talked a lot about debt elimination. We've talked a lot about curtailing the out. So today what I'm talking to you about is changing the input. So you can have a lot of output in funds. You can spend a lot of money 
If that's what makes you happy. For some people, that's what makes them happy. They like to travel. They like to buy fancy cars. They like to do shit. I don't want to get in your way if that's you. I just don't want you being in debt for the rest of your life to have a lifestyle like that, only to have it come crashing down like a cancer in your mid-40s or 50s and never be able to retire and be like old people that I personally know who've worked into their 70s and 80s doing shit like being a daycare worker or a Walmart reader just because they can't survive on what they have. And they might have lived the high life at some point in their life, but that's where they ended up. That's bullshit, and that's not where I want anybody in my audience to end up. So that's why this is a survival topic. Because it's about survival as an individual. It's about survival as a family. And folks, this used to be a nation of entrepreneurs. This used to be a nation of entrepreneurs, masters, and apprentices. You were either someone that ran your own business or you became a master of your trade. And if you wanted to go into a trade, whether it was an academic trade or whether it was a technical trade or whether it was a physical trade like carpentry or ironwork and anything in between, they didn't call it this in the same, in all these niches, but you had masters and apprentices and people went and they studied under a mentor until they became extremely proficient. And then they either stayed with that mentor and helped that mentor build a business, they went out and did it on their own, or they became marketable to the marketplace and they went and they did as they chose in the marketplace. And people followed their passions. There's been a lot stolen from America. We talk about the Federal Reserve, how they stole the gold standard from America and put us from a nation that was financially solvent and made us the largest debtor in the world. But we've also had the spirit that made us able to follow our passions. And that's what made America. We've had that stolen too. I'd like to give a little bit of it back to you if I could. And if you're going to be in business, or if you're going to work for a living as an employee, either way, I have one rule for you. You absolutely have to follow this rule. You can probably break every other thing that I give you as a rule on this subject. And if you follow this one, you can still make it work. And that is you have to follow your passion. You have to follow your passion. There is no other way to be successful. Even if you're successful financially, and folks, I was, you will be emotionally miserable. You may buy all kinds of fancy crap and try to make yourself feel better. You may be even telling your friends how great things are. You know? You may look great to everybody around you, but internally, you'll be dying because your soul is not doing what it is meant to freaking do. On the other side, if you follow your passion, if you believe in what you do 100%, if it is the real you, if it is the authentic you, if you choose a profession, if you choose a topic, if you choose an idea, if you choose an industry, if you choose anything... Because inside of you, it is who and what you are. Then you know what happens? At midnight, you're working on your life. And you don't mind. Some nights, you'll be up till 3 a.m. Not because you need to work that hard, because you can't freaking sleep. Because you love what you do so damn much. If you follow your passion and you eventually have customers... You will follow the biggest rule that I could ever give you on top of following your passion. Give a shit about your customers. And let me credit Gary Vaynerchuk for that thought, that concept. I've always lived it. But he was the one that put it that cut and dry for me. I heard a speech of his where he said that. Give a shit about your customers. Listening to your customers is bullshit. 
Everybody says they listen to their customers. They do product surveys. They do this. They run all kinds of crap to determine what color to make the next widget. What doodad to add to the next whatchamacallit. Which spokesmodel to put into the next advertisement. That's bullshit. That's about you making money. Right? You'll make money if your customers know that you care about them. The people that listen to this show, you may listen to me on some days and think, this guy's nuts. I don't agree with that. This guy's out in left field today. I completely disagree with his political stance on this. I think he's wrong about his assessment of that. I'm sure that any independent, free-thinking person that listens to any other human being talk for long enough is going to find areas of difference. I hope you do differ with me at times, because that means you're thinking for yourself. But I'll bet there's one thing that if you've listened to anything more than two or three episodes that you will never doubt is that I give a shit about you. I care about you. I care about every single person that listens to this show. Why? This is my passion. Survivalism, prepping, modern survivalism, gardening, fishing, hunting, those things are all passionate for me. But at the core, what this show is really about is reaching out, communicating with, and helping people change their lives in a meaningful way that makes them more likely to be successful in their own way, in their own walk, under their own definition of success, by their own means. That's my real passion. That's why occasionally I still work with entrepreneurs. I charge nothing. I don't do any work. I don't fund them. You know, you don't bring... Because I get this all the time, guys. Don't do this to me. I got an idea, and if we just put it on your site and you gave me some funding, I would be able to be... No. Right? I find people that are 90% of the way there, and they can't get the last 10%. And I go in and I say, if you'll make these changes to your business, you'll have more success. And I ask for nothing in return. And they either do it or they don't. I do it the way you give money to a homeless person. You don't worry about whether he goes and buys a bottle of beer, a bottle of wine, or a bowl of soup. If you give money the right way, you give it, you let it go, it disappears, the universe figures out what to do with it because it's just a symbol for energy, and the universe has got energy figured out, and it comes back around the right way as long as you fully let go of it. That's how I give mentorship. That's how I give advice, and that's what I do on this show every day. I give you 20 steps to putting your pantry in order. I say, follow the ones you want. You know, It's up to you whether you do it or not. That's how you build a business. My business model is 100% transparent. If you listen to this show, you know everything about my business model. I hide nothing. I have no corporate secrets. Now, some of the programs that I run, the way I run my advertising, the way I run my membership program, these are things that I tried to give away to major corporations years ago, and they were too scared shitless to take a step and go into a different mode. To stop worrying about making the stock price go up tomorrow and start worrying about building the longevity of the business so that it would be here in 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 years. To understand that the way to build a business is to focus on it so your great-grandchildren are still living off of your legacy. And the scary thing is, and it's scary because it's, it's a fleeting thing. I don't know how long it'll be here. The scary thing is that anybody in the world can do that today. Anybody. There isn't a person listening to my voice right now that if you follow your passion, and if you work harder than you've ever worked on anything else, and if you truly do the right things the right way for long enough, and you put it online for the world to see, 
and you follow your DNA, there isn't a single person that can't do it. Now, there's 2 or 3% of people that will do it. And 96 to 97% will never do it. But not because they can't, because they choose not to. That's reality. We also have to look at why it's so important to get out there and brand you. To brand yourself, your name. Your name and who you are and what you're passionate about and why people should want to know you and become your friend, become your connection. And, and that's because the world is changing right now. We have economic turmoil to deal with. There could be an asteroid someday. There could be a solar storm. There could be crop failures. There could be water shortages. But I'll tell you one disaster that's coming that people don't see, and it is wide open, full throttle, full bore, headed right at people right now. The following things will be dead soon. Resumes, which I think are already dead. Television. Conventional radio. Dying. Dying industries. And everything connected to them is at risk. Jack, how could television be dying? Well, do you have a thing called a DVR for your television right now? Lots of Americans do. And that makes your entertainment available on demand. Well, what if all the entertainment was available on demand? From live shows to past shows. Not a thousand pieces of entertainment. Not 10,000 pieces of entertainment. Not 100,000 pieces of entertainment. What if for one flat fee, 100% of all the video entertainment that ever existed, that was ever available for distribution over television, was available on demand at all times? And what if it came across an internet connection? And what if there were multiple providers of this service that had to compete with each other for your business and had to form agreements? You know what your TV becomes? Your TV becomes a monitor. That's it. That's where TV's going. Rest assured, TV will not exist in its current form in 20 years. It will be lucky if it exists in anything close to its current form in 10 years. It is a dying medium. And that means the gatekeepers are dying with it. You couldn't have a show like the Survival Podcast. We're kind of into radio there, but there's plenty of video podcasters. You couldn't have those things 10 years ago. The last speech I heard from Mr. Vaynerchuk, he said, you know who I feel sorry for? Everybody like us that was born 40 years ago, that had all these ideas, that had all this passion, and had no outlet for it. Well, the outlet's here. And I'll tell you what's happening, and this is amazing to be living in this time. 150 years ago, we lived in a small town economy everywhere in the nation. From New York City to Los Angeles and every little dirt town in between, we had a small town economy everywhere you went. And what I mean by that is, if Mrs. Wilson went over to John's hardware store and John didn't do a good job for her, he didn't throw a couple extra washers in when she went to pick up some parts for her husband that he gave her and said, here, take these down to John and show him he'll know what to do. If, if John didn't take care of her, you know what she did? She went and told her neighbor, and her neighbor told her neighbor, and pretty soon, everybody stopped going to John's Hardware and started going to Tom's Hardware. And John's Hardware went out of business. And it was a very efficient way to run a society. Because it never happened. Any company that was successful enough to exist, stayed in existence uh, with a lot of regularity. There are always economic troubles, and there's always things that can put a business under. But in essence... 
businesses were highly stable. We had stable, real currency to go along with it. But we had that small town mentality. We had word of mouth that traveled instantly. And then something amazing happened. The world shrank. We got a thing called a telegraph and eventually a telephone. And we started having catalog companies like Sears. You know how Sears started? The original old man Sears bought some watches, used a telegraph to tell other people about it, uh, train conductors across the country. He sold all of the watches almost overnight using the telegraph, and he realized that the world had changed, that, that he could use telegraph to advertise, and he could use the train tracks to distribute product. Within a few years, the Sears catalog was born, and a great American icon, the Sears Company, came to be. And the Sears catalog ended up in every single home in America. And where is Sears today? Folks, Sears is still there, but they're a dying company. They're nothing compared to what they used to be. Why? Because the world has changed. The world has absolutely changed. And it's not going back. And I know some of you are uncomfortable with all this new technology and this all this evolution, but you better get comfortable with it because it's not going away. It's going to stay and it's going to keep coming, just like that freight train I talked about. It's going to keep running people over. It's going to keep destroying lives, which is sad because it's actually the most empowering thing ever to be given to human beings. But if I give you a gun that's loaded and I don't tell you what it is and how to work it and you don't really care and you just go fart around with it, you can blow your brains out with it. Or it can become the most offensive weapon known to mankind. It can become the great equalizer. It's based on how it's used. That's how the internet is today. Now, what I have to tell you is that there's a billion ideas out there. I'm going to give you ten today. Ten great ideas. Ten businesses that could be set up. Ten businesses that could be set up for very little investment, but I don't want you to do any of them unless you're passionate about them. I do this more to give you some ideas so I can make some of this stuff tangible so they're not just all mile-high etherical concepts that I'm giving you here, and you can actually start to put some pieces together and see how you can build something for yourself today. The first one, uh, the first five actually, are all 100% online businesses. Meaning you might interact with a million people around the world, but you never actually have to mail anybody anything, see anybody face-to-face unless you want to. The first one I've told you before in some other shows like this, and that is, I think it would be awesome if somebody would put together a really cool online cooking show. No bullshit, no theatrics, not following the formulas on TV. Remember, TV's dying. Don't follow the formula of people that are dying. You'll die too. Real, honest-to-God attitude with your cooking. Not Emerald, bam! Oh, that's bull. That's the stupidest thing I ever heard. It really is. Made him a phenomenon, but it was a one-hit wonder. And now it's just old and tired and boring. And he's out shilling pots and pans. And has a few restaurants that barely get by. You know? And has a cooking show on the freaking Green Network that no one watches. Because it was all based on bam. What if you went out and found the best homemade recipes, guarded family secrets, made people trust you with those recipes because they realized instead of being a guarded family secret, it should be shared with the world and talked about the history behind each dish that you prepared and did that, you know, one, two, three, four times a week, five times a week, put it out on a video blog, 
run it through a podcast. 15 minutes, you know, cut out some of the prep time so it's a 15-minute show. So that people not only knew how to prepare it, why it was prepared that way, where it came from, who's the history behind it. And every time you put some little old lady's recipe online, she's going to tell every single one of her friends. It'll be the most viral thing that's ever been done in cooking ever, and no one's got enough brains to freaking do it. And somewhere out there right now, there's a person who's more passionate about cooking than anything else in the world, and this or some version thereof is what you should be doing with your life. And that doesn't mean everybody. That means the person that just heard that and went, oh my God, that's what I should do. If you just felt that way, go do it. And if you feel that way about anything, I don't care what it is, you can do it with anything. I just talked to a guy that did some video editing for me. He said, well, how would I put together a podcast doing what I love? I like making movies. I said, are you out of your freaking mind, Andy? What is wrong with you? What do you mean, how would you do a podcast on that? So do you know how many po video podcasters would tune in you just to learn things about lighting and cinematography? And we were having a deeper conversation, and he said, well, there's only seven basic kinds of stories. I'm like, oh, do you understand the, the knowledge that you have? And all you have to do is put that out there. So don't lock into my ideas. Lock into the concepts behind them. I also think there's a lot of room for some real hunting and fishing shows out there. Um, I used to love the Outdoor Channel. It was one of the main reasons that I upgraded my Dish Network package. If the Outdoor Channel had come with the more basic package, I wouldn't even upgraded it. It was the only reason I did it. And you know what I think about it now? It bores the shit out of me. The whole thing is nothing but a mile-long infomercial for every product that they touch. They always do the same thing. 50,000 different people shooting deer under feeders in Texas. You know, a guy sitting down calling a turkey, and you can only watch that so many times. And everything has to be done in this formulaic methodology to fit into 30 minutes worth of programming and scheduling. And we have to make sure that we mention the deer handle and the broad head and the brand of the rifle. And yeah, people want to know what brand of rifle it is. They don't want it shoved in their face, though. Right? They want to know what bullet you're using, what, what round you're using. But you know what they'd like to know more? Why you chose to go on this particular hunt at this particular time. Why you chose. Not because, well, it's a really great time to hunt pronghorn in, in Wyoming, and it's a great state to hunt pronghorn in, and the, the, the fees are low. Well, that's good. That's all paint. But why you? Why now? What if you put together a fishing and hunting show? where you went around and hunted and fished with people all over the United States of America, real people in real situations, and told not just the story of their hunt, but the backstory of their lives. I'm just saying. And somewhere out there, there's a person that says, you know what? The only thing I've ever wanted to do in my life is hunt and fish. Go do it. And if you can't just start traveling all around the country right now because you financially can't do it, travel around your state. Form a coalition with other people. Form a partnership. Put 12 people together. If 12 people do four shows a year, that's one every week for a full year. Amazing, isn't it? And rev share it. There you go. Another one? How about a home handyman show? 
You know, there's uh, super handyman Al Carroll's on our radio here. And he takes people's questions on the radio all day long. You know, how do I fix this problem with my water heater? I've got this problem on my deck. I've got termites in my deck. I've got a, a leak in my pool. Whatever. What if you... uh What if you're a person that knows how to do all that stuff? What if you're the person that can fix anything? You, you, you know more than the super handyman, and you like it. Not just you can do it. If when you go out and fix something that breaks in your house, you're cussing when you do it, busting your knuckles and angry, needing three beers just to get through the job, this is not for you, even if you know what you're doing. But if you enjoy it, if it makes you feel good when you fix broken things, if you're a person that's maybe worked as a contractor or a handyman for customers, and you like it and paid, But whenever you do work, you actually show your customer how to fix it himself if it breaks again because you actually believe that if you do that for him, he will always come back to you? If that's you, what if you put together a home handyman show? And instead of just sitting around your house and saying, like, here's another, what if you just took your camera with you when you went on jobs and you just filmed the very specific parts of what you were doing? I got a call today from a customer. He's having a problem with his water heater. Let's go see what's going on. And you build yourself that way. The guy's home doesn't have to be on his address, his name, nothing like that. Just just his water heater. Uh, you know, I've been here a while, folks, and now uh, I've kind of isolated the problem. Let me show you. This is, and if the guy wants in, you let him in. If he doesn't want in, you leave him anonymous. You know, how I had this water heater here, and uh, he was having this noise come out of it, and this is very typical. Look, this is if you have this problem, this is how you fix it. So now, you're doing your job, you're running one business offline, you're putting the content online. Within a year of doing that, you should be able to make so much money online, you could go do the work for people in their homes for free. You should be seeking customers just for the content. That's one way to do it. There's nothing wrong with a good old-fashioned, you know, product review, here's how you do this, doing all the work in your own backyard and videotaping what you're doing, that's all fine too. Just saying, be innovative, think outside the box. And there's someone that loves to do that. Go do it. I think there's another great idea. You know, I've been trying to connect with other podcasters since I started this show. I want to know what mic you use and all that stuff. And I found some forums, but they're not real active. And I don't know. If the, the, the forum is, uh, is a different type of uh, connection. The forum is a much more intimate connection that has to have a common bond, I think, to be really successful. Our forum is very successful because we have that common bond. Podcasters are in so many niches that they need something that's, uh, I don't know, more active. I think if someone built a social network for podcasters, and, and let me be clear, there's like sites like Podcast Pickle and all that, these communities and Blueberry, where podcasters can put their content and rebroadcast it, and you know we have iTunes for that, folks, and they're the big dog, and try to compete with them will get you killed. I'm talking about a place where podcasters just simply meet and share ideas. Consider it like a mash of Twitter and Facebook just for podcasters, and empower that. And somewhere there's a person that's a great producer of podcasts. I'm not a great producer of podcasts. I've had tons of technical issues. But there's somebody that's really good at it. The video, the audio, the whole thing. There's so much that could be done with that. There's so much money to be made there. The gear that it takes to do this, the hosting, all of this stuff, it's expensive. It costs money. And you know what? We pay it. We go buy the stuff. We put the condenser mics in. You know, we have multiple machines. We use $800 editing software. 
If you had 50 or 60,000 people like that in one place with common eyeballs, do you think a few companies would want to talk to you about how to get in front of them? Just saying. And that social network can be built around anything. doesn't have to be podcasts. That's just a big hole that I see because I join that. I join that. It makes sense to me. I also think that social media is changing the world. I've had I've had my own hurdles with accepting Facebook for what it really is, the amazing new tool that it is. But I've done it. And now that I've done it, I understand it better than I ever did before. I always kind of accepted it. I was always kind of there, but I've really like tied into it now. Twitter, amazing. YouTube, amazing. Vidler, Tumblr, WordPress, blogging, all of it, absolutely phenomenal, amazing. You know, in 2007, I sat down with a group of executives for a major telecommunications company. And I talked to them about YouTube. And I said, you have some of the smartest engineers in the world here. Engineers that can go into a wireless network and fix the most complex problems in the world. You have the ability to go in with a $2 million solution into a carrier and add $100 million to their bottom line. There's a lot of people that would like to know how the hell you do that. You need a YouTube channel, and you need YouTube videos, and your engineers need to be putting out little videos talking about, you can't be specific about a customer's network, but talking about the overall mile-high view of problems and how what's coming, how to solve them, and you need to do that every day. There needs to be a video a day on your YouTube channel. If you'll start doing that, you'll build an amazing brand around this company. Do you know what I was told? It's unprofessional to be on YouTube. 2007. Not that long ago. Three, three and a half years ago. Almost, almost, but this was almost back in the 2000s, early 2007. Not professional. Presidential race was kicking off. I said every presidential candidate has a YouTube channel. Oh, that's different. That's mass media. That's not, that's not specific like we are. You know what this company's doing today? Same company. Thankfully run by some different people. Trying to figure out how to skin YouTube and make it work. Trying to figure out how to do what I gave them three and a half, almost four years ago. Now they get it. Sort of. That's the freight train I'm talking about. That is the freight train that I'm talking about. And that spells opportunity. Because there's a whole lot of 40 and 50 and 60 somethings out there that aren't done working yet that aren't ready to go home yet, that either want to build a business or want to stay in the workplace. And they're professionals. I'm not talking about, you know, uh, the guy that sweeps the floor at the warehouse. I'm talking about a guy that's built 20 years of a career. And he's watching his company decline. And he wants to go to the innovative new company. And he doesn't want to be seen as the 47-year-old guy that can't hang with the kids. He wants to be seen as when the guy meets him the first time, and he's going to go, holy crap, you're 47? You have that much experience and you know what's going on today? You have this kind of presence on Facebook? You know, you have this kind of presence on LinkedIn? You have this kind of presence on YouTube? Whatever it is. Where I goes, oh my God, I didn't know I was getting the experience with the technology. Holy crap, what can we do? How can we get you working for us? That is needed. So you know what's needed? Social media coaches. Someone that will take a 40-something, a 50-something, a 60-something, for God's sakes, so they can connect with their grandparents, a 70-something person, and say, today we're going to work on how to upload a video to YouTube. 
Today we're going to learn how to make a friend on Facebook. Today we're going to learn how to build a fan page. Today we're going to learn how to use Twitter. Today we're going to learn how to set Twitter up for your mobile phone. Today we're going to learn how to contact people on Twitter before they become your friend, how to shout out to them. Today we're going to do this. Today we're going to do that. To walk people through it. You don't think that's a business model? If you love it, if you love it, go find people that need to learn. Do your first 20 for free. Build them into phenomenons. Use them as references. Put them on a little blog of your own. While you're doing, while you're teaching them, do it for yourself. Put all the information out there for free. People will beat a path to your door and beg you to take some of their money. Why? Because when you give first, people feel an obligation to contribute back to you. The old paradigm with information was, I had information, I held it hostage, and I sold it to you. And that was everything. That was media. Cable TV. Right? Cable TV. You want the channels? You pay us. You want the additional 20 more channels? You pay us more. Right? Back of book advertising. You want 20 ways to build a business? Send us $29.95. We'll send you this report. Everything was held hostage. Music. You want the latest album? Pay $20 for it to get it on CD. Pay 99 cents a download to get it on iTunes. Even that's dying. We have bands that have gone out, released albums. Released albums with no record label behind them. Whole album. Here it is. Download it for free. After you download it and listen to it, you pay us what you think it's worth. And those bands have made more money selling their albums that way than they've ever made after they get their cut after the record company took 95% of what came in. That whole world is changing and it's all revolving around the evolution of the internet. And there's a huge market for people that can go out there and teach people to use it. Let me give you some offline businesses that could be web-enabled or web-powered. Um, I have a good friend up in Jersey who uh, is getting through a tough time right now, mainly because she built her own business while her husband was working a job he never thought he would lose. I talked about them recently. He lost his job after almost 30 years. It took about 15 minutes for them to tell him he was done and sent him out the door. She has a business pet-sitting. And I can tell you right now, if you start a business pet-sitting, you're not going to interfere with her business at all. There's more work out there for that business than you can imagine. It's one of the fastest-growing segments in the world. But you know what no one does? A really good, badass web presence on it. You know? A little bit of video, a little bit of audio, real explanation of who you are, testimonials from clients, testimonials from vets. Work, you know, get out and work with the SPCA, the local SPCA, the real one that actually helps animals, not the national one that takes your money and spends it on our Congress. Get testimonials from them. Because you go down there and volunteer because you love animals. See, to do this business, it can't be about the money. Money has to be secondary. It'll show up. You have to love animals. You have to feel better about petting a dog than anything else in the world. That's what you want to do. You have to be the person that not only do you love to walk and play with a healthy dog, but it makes you feel good to be someone that can take care of a dog that's older and needs a special diet and needs someone like you to come in when their owner's away and do that for them. You blend that with a web, web presence today, you'll end up having to hire people within a year. 
because you won't be able to take all the clients that you'll find. And I don't care if you're in, in, in a small town or a big city. You're going to get the same result. It could be built into something amazing if it's your passion. Another one. Uh, this is something I call urban cooperative farming. I've seen a few people kind of messing around with this. I think it's a good idea. It works this way. As an urban cooperative farmer, you go out to places where people have relatively large lots and people that have money, people that have bigger houses, things like that. Organic, green living, healthy uh, living, healthy vegetables, all of that stuff is in vogue today. And your proposal to the landowner is this. You pay for the materials and you pay for the seed stock, and you pay for the plants. I do all the work, you keep half the production, I tape, take half, half the production, and you sell it through local uh, agricultural uh, marketplaces like farmer's markets and local distribution and things like that. You might even charge them a fee beyond the materials. What you get is access to land. It's like sharecropping, but it's like boutique sharecropping because you're sharecropping on properties of homes that are worth a million dollars. And that person gets a wonderful, beautiful living landscape that can be edible. And you get the, a huge piece of the production out of it. And if you get 10, 20 of those going, and you use their water and their land and their money to do the work, and they get the enhancement of their property, and especially if you bring in a lot of permaculture things and a lot of perennials and things like that, and you focus on the most expensive things that will grow where you live, that are not available in general. When you focus on those, you build a thriving business, if that's what you love. And it's something no one's going to ever compete with you in the next 10 years with on any meaningful level. You could, you could find the one person doing it successfully, set up shop 10 miles away from him, and the two of you are still not going to fight. But if you don't love it, don't do it. Just an idea. Um... I also had this idea a long time ago. Self-guided tours uh, in any kind of area where you have lots of trails and things like that. What if you went out and, like, say, an area like I thought about doing this when I moved to Hot Springs. I probably won't. So if you live in Hot Springs and you want to do this, go nuts. And you learned every cool place on the trail systems around there. There's hundreds and hundreds of miles of trails. There's thousands of miles of trail, really. But just in a local area, there's several hundred miles of trails. Every historic marker, everything that's there that's interesting. Little segues a couple hundred yards off the trail, find special little private areas and things like that. And you catalog them all. And you built up, let's say you start out with a half a dozen GPSs, all the same make, model, and software. So it's easy to like take all the information and put it across all of them. And customers have two choices, maybe three. You might go with them on trips. You might hand them a GPS that's preloaded. Or you might sell them the coordinates, and they can buy it remotely and already have them when they show up. Now you'd say, well, that's just information. Once it's out there, can't somebody copy it, replicate it, and put it everywhere? Sure, great, fine, no problem. Make sure you do something with it so if somebody replicates your information, you're branded like freaking crazy. And make sure you build a web presence. Take a little... $150 flip video camera and go to a few special places on these trails. Talk about it, why it's special, why it's important. Put together a little MP3 file. When you give them the, the coordinates, you also give them an MP3 file. And they can jump ahead to different spots. And they can hear you talk about why that place is special while they're standing there, even if you're not there. 
million ways to do this. This could be blended with canoe trips down rivers. This could be blended with, you know, it doesn't have to be out in the wilderness. It could be in a town that's an historic town where the GPS just takes you to different buildings. There's a million ways to take GPS technology and empower some sort of a business using it. Where a person that's never even used a GPS before doesn't have a real interest in learning. Not a geocacher, right? There's guys that would never need you for this. But there's also the guy that's 42 years old, has two kids, he's on vacation with his wife, he wants to do something cool, he's going somewhere, he wants to keep the cost down. He doesn't have a freaking clue what's going to be there when he gets there, and you're giving him the keys to the city, so to speak. Just saying. Anybody could do it, but you do it if it's your passion. Here's a crazy one. Uh, I now have a pool service. Can't believe it, but I do. Here's why. Um, as hot as it gets here and as much chemicals as I have to use in my pool, I was spending about $100 a month on chemicals for my pool. I found a guy that does the pool for me for about $150. So it cost me $50 a month is the way I look at it because I got a lot of chemicals anyway. $50 a month to have somebody completely take care of my pool. It stays completely perfect and I don't have to worry about it. And it never gets out of balance and it's always vacuumed. And it's always absolutely perfect. But you know what? It was very, very hard because I have an above-ground pool. And I contacted... Ten, actually, my wife did it because I didn't want to. I she contacted ten services, and she found one out of ten that would actually clean and service an above-ground pool. Why? I have no idea. There's nothing harder about my pool than my neighbor's in-ground pool. We have two different services. Nothing. You put chemicals in. You vacuum it. It's actually less work in some ways. But no one does it. When someone doesn't do something, that's a niche. So if you started a pool cleaning service and banner advertised the hell out of the fact, we do above-ground pools. You put that, even though the Yellow Pages is dying, for now you throw that in the Yellow Pages. Now this is something that probably isn't going to work very well in small-town Pennsylvania or small-town you know, Wyoming or something like that where people are highly self-sufficient. But in Houston, Dallas, anywhere in the southern states where people get long life cycles out of their pools, use it for six months out of the year or more, get tired of doing all the work, and above-ground pools are popular, tell you what, there's an opportunity there. Now, you bring the web presence with it. How do you test the water? Here's a problem with a pool. Here's how you fix it. Here's a pump. This pump sucks. Don't ever buy this pump. You just take a camera with you when you work day to day. Film the problems and the solutions. Throw that on YouTube. Video blog that. Put that on your website. Build a portfolio that way. How long is it going to be before some major manufacturer of, of chlorine or some other type of pool chemical begs you to endorse them? Absolutely begs you to endorse them. Just saying. And you know what the beautiful thing is? Since you don't need them... Unless you really believe in the product, you can tell them to go screw. And if you really believe in the product, if you would endorse it for free, you can charge them more money than you ever believed you could because of that credibility that you have. The last one I'll give you, this is something I've seen some people doing, but it's a huge availability to continue to do this. This is another one. It's going to work out better in kind of the bigger areas with larger populations. But a person 
that will go and take video or take pre-existing video if, if the parents already have it and put together highlight films for high school athletes. And don't just focus on like football and baseball and basketball. Soccer's huge, especially girls' soccer. The major universities are throwing full boat scholarships to young girls because they're good at soccer. There's a field a few miles from my home, and there's a thousand kids every freaking Saturday and Sunday during soccer season up there playing soccer. There's a huge opportunity for someone that could do a bang-up job of saying, you know what, I'll take all your footage, I'll put it together, I'll, I'll throw in some extra camera angles, I'll come out, I'll shoot a little custom footage on a game or two you know where you know the athlete's going to perform well, I'll put that all together for you, I'll, I'll put it together with a, with a pre-written professional letter, uh, you send me all the achievements, all the academic background, and I'll create a package for you that you can send to any university. And it'll make an impact. I can't guarantee you you're going to get in. It's up to you to have the grades. It's up to you to have the skills. But I'll help you make an impact. Somebody out there loves to make movies and they love kids and they love sports. Maybe that's your idea. I don't know. I hope that you're getting the picture here. Because here's what's going to happen. I'm going to get emails from people that go, Jack, but what I love is this or what I love is that. And there's no way I could possibly do what you're saying. Bullshit! Absolute, total, bollocks, bullshit. As my British friend Neil would say, bollocks. Of course you can. Give me a niche. Give me a topic. Be as obscure as you like. I'll give you a business model around it. It's up to you. If it's what you're passionate about. You could build a site about cats. Just about cats. In general, Cats. All the different breeds, everything. But you'd have to do it better than anybody else. At least 1% better than anybody else. You'd have to be interactive. And here's the thing, it couldn't just be about cats, it would have to be about you and cats. So you have to bring yourself into these things. When you bring yourself into these things, when you tell people stories, when you form emotional connections, then you brand you. And once you do that, people will follow you, people will trust you. And here's my big advice as I get ready to start closing up today. Once you have that trust... Don't you ever, ever, ever violate it for one second. Never look at the people who trust you as being a source. See them as an asset, the biggest asset you will ever have in your life. See them as the most important people in your life outside of your immediate family and whoever you believe in as a god. They're number three. They're the ones that make your life possible at that point. You never violate your trust with them. And when you make mistakes, and you will, just like I have, I've done it with you guys, admit the mistake, don't bury it, admit it, apologize, be genuine, and make it right. Do that, and they'll stick with you. Follow your principles, even if it hurts. If you know following your principle on something is going to cost you half your audience, do it anyway. Do it anyway. Better you do it now before you're really big and really important. You might as well get rid of the people that don't really genuinely want to be with you now. Not because you throw them away, but because you are you and they choose you or they choose not to accept you. It's their choice. Be genuine. Because the path of, of being... D disingenuine, it leads to misery. There's no reason, 
no reason to do shit you hate anymore. None. Now, you might have to work your ass out of a job for the next five years and build this secondary thing for yourself part-time. But you better be, if you're not working at 2 a.m. while you're doing that, you're not serious about what you're doing. And if you're not willing to do that, then you better brand yourself. You better become the very best in your industry at what you do. If you're a pool cleaner, you better be the best pool cleaner in the world, even if you don't own your own business doing it. And you better be known as that. If you're an engineer, you better become the most skilled, best-known engineer in the world. You better be on every social network on the planet. You better be forming bonds with people in engineering that go beyond engineering. If your secondary passions aren't going to become businesses, let them become relationship builders. I had a, a, a manager that I had to talk to back in the sales industry that no one ever ran an event with this guy. They called him the event Nazi. And we all, with our distributors, we always want to like counter days where we bring our equipment in and we want, always want to, you know, maybe do a casino night, uh, where you did like a charity casino night or something like that. We always want to do something that would bring in all their customers to get exposed to our brand. And this guy saw it as parasitism. This guy saw it as, no, I, we already have our customers. We deal with our customers. You supply us and stay the hell out of our store except when I need you to fix a problem. And I went to see this guy and I told the, my sales rep that was taking me to see him, hey, look, you know, we're going to do an event with this guy. He says, no one ever does an event with this guy. Don't even try. You're just going to piss him off. He's going to throw us the hell out. Right? This was like the first time I ever went on a call with this sales rep. And he was like, dude, I, I, I don't want to do this. I said, don't worry about it. So I went in. And I sat down I started talking to this guy. I didn't bring up events. I looked on his, on his uh, desktop and there was a picture of a Siberian Husky. And I said, oh, you have a Husky? He said, yes. I said, so do I. And I uh, pulled out, at the time I had a Palm Pilot because you know, Blackberries weren't in vogue and you had these things separate off of your cell phones and all. And I pulled up a picture of Lakota, my Siberian Husky. I said, so do I. Aren't they great dogs? We sat there for 45 minutes talking about Siberian Huskies. How much fur? They have how much vacuuming you have to do, what it's like to take them to the vet, how stubborn they are, how smart they are, how friendly they are, how they're worthless as watchdogs. 45 minutes of that. We didn't talk about business once. 45 minutes into the conversation, I said, you know what? What I actually wanted to talk to you about is running an event, but I understand that you don't really like to do that. And he said, we could run an event. Five years. No one could get an event at his his location done. 45 minutes talking about something we had a common interest in. No problem. What do you want to do? How can I help you? Now, was that planned? Was that conniving? I'll be honest. It was a little bit conniving at the time. Because I wasn't as educated to being genuine as I am today. But in my DNA, I was being genuine. And the reality was... If I had a Doberman Pinscher, we wouldn't have had a conversation about Siberian Huskies. You know, we had a conversation about a common interest that was a genuine conversation. If I walk into somebody's office and I saw a fish on the wall, I'd have a conversation with them about that fish because I love to fish. If you walk into their wall, their office, and you look on the wall and see a fish, and you mention the fish, <clears throat> but you don't fish, you're like every other ass clown that ever walked in there that mentioned that fish. Don't talk about things with people you don't have an interest in. Because it just annoys them. Do that online. 
Even just to make your career successful. Even just to stay marketable as an employee. I understand not everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. But you need to hear the message I've given you today. You need to understand what I'm talking about today. And you need to build your brand today. And I just got an email from somebody. And here's what she said to me. Jack, you need to do a motivational series. And you need to call it Stop Being an Ass Clown and Do Shit You Like. And I'll tell you what, she summed it up pretty good. If you're walking through life miserable today, that's one thing. We all have done things we didn't like to do. I had some jobs I really didn't like when I was a kid. You know, I worked at a turkey farm as a kid. I didn't just climb up trees and cut branches. I've actually liked that. I worked at a turkey farm. It was my first real job. I host turkey heads down a trough. It stunk. It was bloody. It was gross. I had to get down in the trough after the heads were gone and scrub it. That sucked. I didn't like it, but it paid the bills. You might be washing turkey heads down a trough right now, literally or metaphorically. You might have to do that for a while. But you better have a plan to do something else. The world is more liberated today than ever. I know it seems like we've lost a lot of liberty, but you know what? This internet thing, it is the reason that some nations censor it, because it's popped the top, and you can't put the genie back in a bottle, and it's too late, and knowledge and freedom are flowing. You can have whatever you want. I'm just suggesting you figure out what it is. And I'm just suggesting you do it. And I'm suggesting you do it every damn day of your life for the rest of your life. You know what? If you're miserable, you're probably broke. You could be just as broke doing something you love. And if you really work on it, if you really master it, if you're really passionate about it, if you're not misleading yourself, if you really believe in what you're doing, you won't stay broke for long. And if you do that, you'll have a lot better of a chance to survive the coming trials that we're going to go through. Because not everything's a rosy picture. I'm not like most business guru guys that will tell you, everything's wonderful, everything's super. I'll tell you, everything could start sucking really bad. That means you better straighten things out right now. You better put as much power behind yourself, your name, your brand, as you can today. Because if you do that, like we started out in the beginning, a lot of disasters, they're not even a speed bump. It's up to you. I don't really have anything else I can add to that at this point other than to tell you that any belief you have that what you want can't be done is wrong and there's no place for it in your life. Kill it. Get rid of it. Believe in who and what you are. Believe in your innate humanness. Understand your common bond with everybody around the world. We all have common things we actually care about, we love, and we want. And then we have things that are just a little bit more. We all care about freedom. We all care about family. But then each of us has a few things we truly have passion for. You want to survive? Follow your passion. This has been Jack Spearco with another edition of the Survival Podcast. Helping you figure out how to live that better life. Time to get tough. Or even if there's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way.
They're 